It is a massive Wednesday night NBA slate, so Adam and I are going to break down all of the injuries. Today's show is sponsored by Prize Picks. If you guys have not signed up for Prize Picks, you could do using the promo code Osmo. Get yourself up to $100 bonus on your first deposit and one free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Also, do us a favor, like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, leave in the comment section below. And I promise, it's not a bother. Leave a question if you have any. Whatever it is, I really don't mind answering them. Helps us in the YouTube algorithm, and we appreciate the engagements. Let's go through today's slate, and starting with the Dallas Mavericks, tail end of a back-to-back, Spencer Dinwiddie is listed as out. Is this just going to mean even more usage going to an already usage-heavy Luka Doncic? I don't think it hurts. Like I don't necessarily think it makes a huge impact, but we did see you know, earlier in the year, there, there actually was a difference when, for example, um, Tim Hardaway Jr. was out along with Christos Porzingis. Uh, even though Hardaway himself, you know, wasn't a super high usage guy, and neither is Dinwiddie when when Luke is playing, uh, it still just led to more production for Luca. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see the same thing here. And then, is there any value plays from Dallas that stands out? It's it's been so heavy towards Luka Doncic doing everything for this team that it generally hasn't left too much value for other guys. But does the absence of Dinwiddie change that? I don't think it changes too much. I mean, it makes Jalen Brunson look a little bit better at 6,200. I think he's still pretty neutral. But my my assumption is that you're going to get most of Dinwiddie's minutes picked up by some combination of guys that aren't really that DFS useful, whether it's Josh Green, Frank Nilakina, Davis Bertans, guys like that. And let's move to the other side of the game where the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that it's been hard to predict the front court minutes because they've been so loaded in the front court this year. Not going to be the case right now. Evan Mobley, ankle sprain, he's out. Jared Allen also remains out. So all of a sudden, we're missing the two starting frontcourt players for Cleveland. I assume this means Kevin Love moves back into the starting lineup. How do you feel about his playing time today and his viability as a value option? That's my assumption as well. He started the second half last game. He ended up playing around 32 and a half minutes. And the game that he started against the Raptors a few games ago, he also played about 32 minutes. So I do think that... Um, assuming he starts, the playing time looks pretty good for him. I don't think that we should be you know, skittish about what if they limit Kevin Love or anything like that. I think if he starts, he's playing 30-plus minutes. He has shared the floor with Darius Garland for 678 minutes this year. Love's averaged 1.17 DraftKings points per minute over that stretch, 1.15 for Garland. And you do see a little bit of a drop in usage rate for Garland uh, down to 27.5%. So I think Love looks pretty good at his salary. I do think you know it was already going to be difficult or it already would have been difficult to get to a $10,200 Garland. But I do think that Love cuts into his usage a bit. And I also expect Love to have a negative impact on, for example, Laurie Markkinen's rebounding, since he is uh, a really good rebounder as well. Yeah, so it looks like Cleveland Cavaliers, Kevin Love in particular, initial builds I've done, I'm getting to a whole bunch of him. Uh, anything else on Cleveland that you think potentially stands out? Uh, actually, one other guy I wanted to ask you about is, does this change Karis LeVert at all? Because I think this could bolster his minutes a bit. I think it helps to solidify his minutes. Um, we've seen you know plenty of run for him since he's moved into the starting lineup uh, anyway. He played 35 or 36 minutes. Then last game, he only played like 32. But that was a game where Dylan Windler and uh, Lamar Stevens, I think it might have been, uh, closed over a, my, a Levert and somebody else. I think it might have been and, Love. And Love. Yeah. Um, I don't anticipate that being the case going forward. I mean, they have used Lamar Stevens a bit more than I anticipated recently. But... I think there's still a good chance that you get 36 minutes or so from Levert. My bigger, my concern would be you are adding another high usage guy to the starting lineup now. Uh, Levert's only played 87 minutes with both of Love and Garland on the floor, but in those 87 minutes, he only has a 19.7% usage rate. But I do think the playing time is pretty appealing for his salary. 
All right, time to talk about some some tanking teams. Right here, the Indiana Pacers, who their official injury report has Goga Patadze, O'Shea Bursett, Isaiah Jackson, Dwayne Washington, all questionable. I assume Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon isn't going to play because why even play him at this point? He's dealt with various injuries over the course of the year. They've done whatever they could to make excuses for him to not play, like you pointed out the other day. He sat out back-to-back games for rest, and then he sat out for conditioning because he wasn't ready to play because he hadn't played for a while. Well, now he's only sat out another game, so that assumes that it would still be an issue. So I don't think Brogdon plays either. Uh, given the massive injury report for the Pacers, hard to know which guys are in or out, but but what are you eyeing individually? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, kind of if you just go player by pl- player, position by position, like, you have Goga and Jackson questionable. If they're both in, I assume Goga's starting. At 5,900, he would look okay. But if he's out and then, you know, Jackson is in, he's risky, but still potentially a decent option at 5,600. If they're both out, you're probably getting Jalen Smith at 6,100, who we know he's a good point-per-minute guy, and it would be, you know, a good sign for his minutes. Um, if you take out... O'Shea Brissett last game you got Kiefer Sykes moving into the starting lineup um I don't know if they do that again but uh if it is Kiefer Sykes I still don't think he's like a great DFS option but he is only 3,500 he did play a bunch of minutes in that game um Dwayne Washington being out would be a would probably be important for Sykes as well um if Goga and Jackson are out. That's a plus for Terry Taylor's minutes. He played another 33 last game. And then if Brogdon is out, I assume Justin Anderson is starting again. At $4,900, I think you do need multiple people to be out for Anderson to start to look good. He still managed to only play 27 minutes last game, even though Indiana only had eight players. But we've seen those games, too, where he gets north of 30 minutes when they're really shorthanded. All right. And I'm trying to group all the tanking teams together here, so rattle off a couple more of these. Next one, the Houston Rockets. Christian Wood is out, and in general everybody's known what to do when Christian Wood is out. You play Shangun. Shangun was like 50% owned in large field tournaments in the Houston Rockets last game, if I remember correctly. If Shangun plays, it's going to be more of the same. But where I think is the other interesting talking point here is with Wood out, if Shangun also sits, where are they going to go in the front court? Because we've seen that be Daniel Tice in the past, but he's not an option because he's back on the Celtics. How do you think they allocate the front court minutes without Wood and Shangun? Yeah, I'd be interested to see what they do because last game they used Garuba as the backup center, um, not the exclusive backup center, but he played about 15 minutes. But we've also seen KJ Martin be used as a center at times. Like, for example, um, in the game that the, the live final game, so March 11th, um, Christian Wood was out, Shangun started. If I remember correctly, uh, KJ Martin Jr., when he wasn't in foul trouble, was used as the backup center there. Wouldn't shock me if they just throw him into the starting lineup uh, if Shangun is out. At 3,600, one way or the other, KJ Martin looks like a good value option. But if he's starting with no Shangun, he looks like one of the better values on the slate. Similarly, uh, Josh Christopher, likely to play into the mid 20s anyway, obviously a different position than Shangun. But if Shangun is out and you assume that, um, KJ Martin's playing more minutes at the five. That's just opening up more minutes down the board for Josh Christopher to play as well. It would also solidify Jay Sean Tate's minutes at 4,500 and make him look better. Yeah, and uh, one more tanking team to talk about, one that caused a lot of headaches the last time they played the Oklahoma City Thunder. Trey Mann, who went from not on the injury report last game to getting ruled out about 30 minutes before that game started. He's questionable today. I just don't see too much need for them to play Trey Mann. And when you look at the rest of the names on the injury report, we know that they've been shutting down pretty much everybody. Baisley, Giddy, Ludor, Ty Jerome, SGA, Mike Muscala, all been ruled out for the rest of the season. 
So if Trey Mann also ends up sitting, where are we looking at usage going to for OKC? Pokashevsky, Teo Maladon, um, both of their salaries have increased, but this is an example of a team, and you're going to get plenty of these down the stretch of the season, where you really have to put aside like what you think somebody should be priced based on what they've done most of the year and realize that this is just a totally different team. Um, not a horrible matchup against Atlanta, but with no Shea Gilgis-Alexander, we're assuming, you know, for the sake of this conversation, no Trey Mann, uh, no Josh Giddy. You're just looking at increased production for somebody like Pokashevsky, who overall this season has averaged 0.95 DraftKings points per minute. So it's not like you're even starting from, you know, a bad place with Pokashevsky. Um, but then you're also, you know, taking guys like Gilders Alexander and Getty off the floor. So it makes him look even better. It makes Teo Maladon look better. And it makes it likely that you get a lot of minutes for Teo Maladon. So, you know, for example, he's somebody that at 50, if you just, you know, with no context, tell me Teo Maladon's $5,700, I'd laugh. But when you consider how many minutes he can play and that he's averaged 0.88 DraftKings points per minute without Gildas Alexander or Giddy on the floor this year, it becomes a pretty appealing spot to get to him. Uh, you got a bunch of minutes for Isaiah Roby and a big game out of him as well. Uh, so I think you see more production there too. And on the other side of this game, also potential for value, Danilo Gallinari. He has already been ruled out. DeAndre Hunter is questionable. Hunter is dealing with a little bit of knee soreness. We know he's had knee issues in the past, so Hawks generally tend to be cautious them in, in these scenarios. The matchup couldn't be too much better for Atlanta because we just went over OKC's injury report. They're playing nothing but replacement-level players today. With that in mind, if Hunter is out in addition to Gallo, who takes on the front court minutes for the Hawks? Yeah, so I assume we would get the same starting lineup we did last game where you got DeLon Wright and Luau Cabarro both in the starting lineup. Uh, both players played between 30 and 31 minutes. Neither one's a great fantasy producer point per minute, you know, especially when you consider DeLon Wright's playing alongside Trey Young. But he is only 4,100. It is a good matchup. Uh, if he starts and you can project him for 30 minutes, he's going to look pretty good again. Uh, similarly, Luau Cabarro, not a great point per minute guy. But if Hunter is also out and you're taking those front court minutes away from Gallo and from Hunter, there's a good chance that you end up getting around 30 minutes from TLC again. And even though he's not a great point per minute guy at 3,300, he certainly has a path to success. Now, the final news to hit on on the slate, and one that could end up opening up a whole bunch of value. It's, it's probably going to be a late swap situation. Uh, if not, it's going to be news that comes out fairly late in the day because in the last game of the night, Jonas Valanciunas is listed as questionable to play. I don't think that the that the New Orleans Pelicans are going to need him out there to beat this terrible Portland Trailblazers team. So that makes me think maybe a little bit more likely to sit than play. Not totally sold on that, though. But if Valanciunas is not in there, what do you think is going to happen with the center minutes? We do have Larry Nance Jr. in the picture for New Orleans now. Yeah, I think that kind of complicates what I think is going to happen because I don't really know. Um, in the most recent game where Larry Nance was out, you still only got like three minutes from Billy Hernan Gomez. Um, you had Jackson Hayes essentially operating as the backup center uh, behind Valanciunas, and Valanciunas also played like 37 minutes in that game. So... At $3,500, I think if Valanciunas is out, there ends up being a very good chance that Hernan Gomez turns into a really good value. Uh, he could start, or you could get a situation where, you know, maybe Devontae Graham starts, Jackson Hayes moves to the five, Hernan Gomez plays backup center minutes. The risk is just that we don't know exactly how Larry Nance fits into this, because if the last game is any indication, and they just, for whatever reason, um, I mean, the reason probably would be defense, but for whatever reason aren't using Hernan Gomez going forward, then you can like very easily start Hayes at, at center, use Nance as the backup, and Hernan Gomez still doesn't play a lot. So um, if Valanciunas is out, I assume Hernan Gomez is going to turn into a good value, but uh, the starting lineup will tell us more. And also, yeah, just assume like if he's coming off the bench, 
if he gets like 18 minutes off the bench, he's still a good value at 3,500. Just know that if he's coming off the bench, there is a little bit more risk because we don't know exactly what that backup center rotation is going to look like. Yeah, and we should know more later in the day. So do us a favor, guys. Like the video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out the Deeper Dive. Check out Live Before Lock. If you have any questions about anything we talked about or if anything changed over the course of the day, leave a question in the comment section below. Till then, good luck. See you guys.